0: Welcome, once again, as we continue on in our study through the Bible. Um, We're working through the Bible, a chapter at a time. We've been doing this for years. We worked through the New Testament together in a little over five years, and then we were a year and change into the Old Testament. We finished Genesis uh, a couple of months ago, and now we're into the eighth chapter of the book of Exodus. And um, I'm... uh, Exodus is an amazing, they're all, you know, the, the Bible's an amazing thing. And, uh, um, but charting through the journey this way I think is very important. As we've uh, begun to look at Exodus, I've started to ask you to remember four things. You know, with Genesis there were, there were four things that, you know, uh, four th- things that I wanted you to remember. And that was the creation and the fall and the flood. And the Tower of Babel, see some of you that were here know all those, that's really good. So that's, you know, if you think about Genesis, that's what happens in the first 11 chapters. And then it's four main people, and that's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And the crimson thread of redemption is what we said we watched starting at the fall in Genesis 3.15, working its way through. All right, Um, Exodus, you know, its primary uh, focus is Moses and the people of Israel and what God's doing with them. But there are four sort of main things that if you can remember, see then remembering things like that will help you find things in Scripture. That's, that's why. If you sort of have an idea about, an idea of what's in most of the books, when somebody, if somebody ever asks you a question, you kind of know how to get there. Now, that used to be very handy. I got to tell you, honestly, I, I keep teaching that. But with Google, it's not so important. <laughs> there you go. And you're a genius. But... Um, Back in the day, before we had that access, people would ask us a question and we would have to have some idea where to find it. And uh, um, so if you had an idea of what was happening in every book, you you could usually find answers to questions like that. Anyway, in in Exodus, the four main sort of events are about the Passover. And we're yielding up, we're, we're building up to that right now. And then it's crossing the Red Sea, or the parting of the Red Sea, and the law and the tabernacle those are the four main things that if you can remember that's what was happening in exodus that that still um sort of impact us now new testament wise it all does but you will relate to some things definitely from those events that were happening and this this first run of chapters really i think up through about chapter fourteen is leading up to the passover and then um then we'll go from there as we get to the rest of the book so the people of Israel, uh, like I said, they've been in bondage now for 430 years. Uh, well, in slavery there, uh, that's how long they've been there. You know, slavery started at some point in time. When they first got there, where they were treated well. Now they're, now they're in bondage. Um, they're not treated well at all. It's time for them to be turned loose as a nation into the promised land that God had promised to Abraham um, and Isaac and Jacob. They, uh, they went to Egypt um, 400 and some years previously as a group of 70 a family of 70 they will leave as a nation of 2 million that's what happened in 400 years um, Pharaoh does not want to let them go even though you know, God has told Moses to go and say let my people go so they can come to worship me and Pharaoh doesn't want, him, doesn't want the people to go primarily they're his labor force and they're, you know, they're basically free and uh, he's like that's not going to work even though what they've sort of asked for is a week off, he, he said at that point that they heard Pharaoh said a week off, he said if you've got that much free time, now you need to make bricks. I'm not going to give you the straw anymore. So it's gotten worse on the people, and the, the encounter now is picking up, and we're, we're moving into this series of um, judgments against Egypt from God. Or, um, you know, they're better are plagues um, that are taking place and that are going to happen to Egypt Um, and move through the process of trying to get Pharaoh to release uh, the people of Israel. Now, the longer that Pharaoh resists God, the the more serious the judgments become, the plagues. And so, um, you know, the first three plagues were distressful, you know, to say the least. The the water turned to blood, the the frogs and gnats. We're going to look at frogs and gnats today. Very exciting. Um... (laughs) And then the next couple, uh, the next, uh, the second three plagues were painful and costly to Egypt, and that's going to be the flies, um, death of the livestock, and boils. And then the last four plagues are dangerous and destructive, hail, locusts, darkness, and ultimately the death of the firstborn. And um, it's the death of the firstborn where we basically, we get Passover from, and we'll explain a lot more about that as we go. Uh, and so before we start reading today the the invasion of the frogs is gonna happen and um, they actually he, the, Moses and Aaron warn Pharaoh about this one if you don't let us go frogs are gonna come and, and, um, uh, f- and, and remember most of these judgments are direct sort of slap in the face of the Egyptian gods and, and beliefs and, and uh, in Egypt the frog was a fertility symbol um, and uh, the one of their gods, Heket uh, had actually the head of a frog so um, pretty much each one of these things was attacking one of the uh, sort of false gods in Egypt and um, the Lord's warning is that these frogs are going to go in their houses in their beds, in their ovens, on their cooking utensils um, and would even cling to the bodies of a people and uh, so that's just gross. Depending on how you... I think I told you last week how I feel about frogs. Tend to make me scream. I was about to say like a little girl. Then I thought, well, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. So I don't... <laughs> so now I can't... So I, uh, scream in a higher voice than normal. <laughs> so I, I can't even imagine. Like, like uh, 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 ew. Um, just Ew. And you know everywhere you couldn't you couldn't cook in your you know they were ever frogs, no, so. And this one again, um, when we read it, uh, the the uh, the magicians there seem to be able to counterfeit this miracle as well. I don't know how you could tell when frogs are coming out of everywhere that they were doing it as well. So that's I guess a lot of their stuff is the the Egyptians get lost after that's the last one to even attempt uh, to act like they could pull off. Um, and and remember, if they were really, if they really, you know, what the magician should have been done was reversing these things, and they can't. So they don't have the power to, to do any of those things. And, and, uh, uh, and yet Pharaoh is hardening his heart. Uh, and uh, from the time of the first miraculous sign, and God said this is what's going to happen, Pharaoh's heart gets harder and, and harder. And harder, and we're going to watch that taking place. And I, I mentioned it briefly. I want to mention it again, though, this idea of you know, hardening our heart. Um, and it, what it means is that we, we see a clear evidence of the hand of God at work, and yet still refuse to accept His word and um, you know, submit to His will. That's what the hardening of the heart is. And, and um, you know what happens? I, I think I used the illustration last week, but I want to give it again. When, when I was uh, a kid, um, growing up, I, I grew up in a non-Christian environment, um, but I remember as a kid these the Billy Graham things coming on TV pretty regularly, and on you know one of the main channels. There was only three main channels anyway, so it was a pretty big deal when it came. It was you know it was a third of what people could watch, and um, Billy Graham would speak. Now Billy Graham impacted countless people for the kingdom. People, you know, he would preach, and he just his the way he did it and it, the way God used him, massive. Amounts of people would respond to his invitations, Um, and so so you know it would be the same message being spoken. Some people would respond, but for other people, their hearts would actually get harder, and and they would turn it off when he came on, and they would go to other channels. Same opportunities, just a hardening of the heart. And um, in this thing, it you know it's it talks about you know God being involved in hardening Pharaoh's heart, but He's involved at the level where He's doing you know the. The, you know, the, the, sun that, the, the same sun that melts the ice, you know, hardens the clay. Um, it's there. It's the same deal as how you respond to it. And Pharaoh chose to have his heart hardened. He chose to go in that direction and not listen, even though at every one of these judgments, um, he could see the hand of God at work, and yet chose to never repent or move in the direction of God. You think about what he's going to These guys are going to come in, and they're going to tell him, okay, well, if you don't let us go, frogs are coming. You're yeah, right. Boom, frogs are coming. If you don't let us go, man, gnats are coming. Sure, whatever. And he just keeps going, no, 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 and, and, and it keeps happening. He should have got it. And each one was a challenge to the false gods of Egypt. So uh, Pharaoh makes his own decisions, ultimately hardens his own heart against God. You kind of need to know that happens. So people choose that situation. Uh, okay, that's enough prelim. Exodus 8, 32 verses. I'm going to read them to you and we'll talk about a little bit on the other side of that. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can read along whatever translation you prefer. But this is the one in the notes pretty much and what will be over on the screens. Um, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile would teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace, and your bedroom, under your bed, into the houses of your officials, and on your people, and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will go up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. Just briefly, that remember, when you see L-O-R-D in big letters, there's, you know, there's a difference in the name of gods, and we talk about that, okay? All right. The frogs will leave you in your houses, your officials, and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. And they were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? (laughs) Ew! But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. Gnats. Now, if I had to choose between an invasion of frogs and gnats, I don't care for frogs. But, gnats can drive you. Have you ever been like gnats where you couldn't get away? They'll make you insane. Like, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know that feeling of, you, you've been there, right? Just so, so think about it now. All the dust becoming gnats. No escape from the gnats. And you've still got dead frog piles everywhere. <laughs> you've just come out of that nightmare verse 18 this is important though but when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts secret arts they could not and the gnats were on men and animals the magicians said to pharaoh this is the finger of god but pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the lord had said then the lord said to moses get up early in the morning and confront pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him this is what the lord says let my people go so that they may worship me if you do not let my people go I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials on your people and into your houses the houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies and even the ground where they are again think about that warning now flies depends on the flies but I always wondered if it was those some some of you that were up north Do you know those flies that bite you and hurt you know those Not your normal, oh, no big deal fly. You know what I'm talking about. There's places up north I've been where you get swarmed by those flies and it's not pleasant. So let's add to the fun and, and, okay, here we go. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies and even the ground where they are. But on that day, verse 22, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. And I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. And throughout Egypt the land was ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said that would not be right the sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians and if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes will they not stone us we must take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us Pharaoh said I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert but you must you must not go very far now pray for me Moses answered as soon as I leave you I will pray to the Lord and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only be sure that Pharaoh does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so You're starting to get the feel for what's happening and um, what's taking place there in Egypt. Remember, I I said, you know, um, part of the reason that this was the way it was taking place, these judgments, were that um, not only was he demonstrating to Egypt that he was indeed the God, big G God, he was also having to demonstrate it to his own people who had, after that many years, a lot of them had started going after these false gods. And so he was—he was setting the record straight because he was going to take his people out of there. They were going to need to know who he was, and they were going to have to trust him. And so he's—they're he, seeing his his mighty acts on this land that are taking place. So there in the beginning, um, as I said, Moses, uh, verse three. So every house is going to be infested with these frogs, and. Um, you know, these would be the houses of everybody, rich and poor alike, no matter how high up they lived, uh, upper floors, lower floors, whatever was going on, frogs were everywhere. And so, um, you know, in those first uh, chunk of verses there, 8 through 15, life, you know, was miserable, as you can imagine. Um, and and so Pharaoh asks Moses and Aaron to remove uh, the frogs. Uh, and even in those verses, he gets that the frogs have been sent by the Lord, um, so uh, he was so anxious to get rid of the frogs, he offers to let the G- Jewish people go on their worship trip if they'll comply with his request. And, and, uh, and yet that was just a trick because he had no intention of doing it. He just said he was going to do it. And uh, he says, you know, pray for these things to stop. Get these frogs out of here and yeah, I'll let you go. And, um, and we know that's not going to happen. Now it's also interesting that Moses and Aaron let Pharaoh select the time for the frogs to leave. Did you see? We'll give you the honor. You tell us when. And um, again, it's, it's, it's to prove to him that um, Jehovah, um, it, it, you know, the living God hears the words and responds to the prayers of his servants. And so the the plague wasn't some sort of bizarre accident. God was in control. And then you, you think, well, if, see now if it was me and you asked me, when would you like the frogs to be gone? <sighs> I'm going to say, right now. Again, that's my frog issue. But um, he postpones it a day, and you think, why? Well, the other thing I can think of, either he was hoping maybe they would go away by themselves before then, and then he could sort of get a little, you know, bargaining ground, or... um, you know, maybe he was going to tell everybody, don't worry, the frogs are going to be them tomorrow. So he was gaining some favor with his people once again. Or if it didn't happen, after he said it could happen, he could really dismiss them completely. Um, so he's kind of setting them up for those three things. Uh, and remember there in the beginning, you know, he, with this one in particular, he had no... He wasn't going to... He was just using, saying you can go as a ruse. He had no plan on letting go at that point in time. And... and um, you know, the, and even when they stop, it's not like he, he didn't remove the frogs, they just died. And so they, they were having to deal with this massive cleanup, sort of part of this judgment, um, in the process. And I, I don't even know how you, how do you even begin to get rid of piles of f- frogs? I don't want to know, so I'm not really asking that question. Hypothetically only. Uh, and, and you know, the, uh, understand that these things are happening now to Egypt not because God is after them, but because Pharaoh refuses to repent. All Pharaoh's got to do to stop this at any time is let the people of Israel go to worship. That's all he's got to do. Make sure you, you get that. Oh, he's funny. He's not. He's saying, that this is what's going to happen if you don't do this. So um, Moses and Aaron keep their promise. The Lord keeps his promise. But Pharaoh doesn't keep his promise. And And, um, and so you know, there's a lot of people that uh, call on the Lord in times of distress and make promises they have no intention of keeping you, you know, that and I, I can tell you, before I really knew Jesus I think I had, even though I didn't know that much I think there was a couple of times when I sort of this is a big jam, if you get me out of this you know, um, uh, something will happen and then you're like Pfft. Okay. then it happens and you go, yeah, like, never mind I'm good <laughs> yeah, I'm good, never mind so, um you know, my, Pharaoh's going to now have to deal with, for the sake of his people, they're going to have to deal with more judgment. So he hardens his heart. And, and um, uh, verses 16 through 19, here comes a third plague, and it causes the dust of the ground to become gnats. Um, and, and so gnats everywhere, and, I, you know, gnats, uh, uh, we have, uh, it's like no see here, right? It's... And, and, and no-seam can make you insane. So, so and, uh, I remember more. we used to have more gnats up north and I think and you have gnats, you have no-seams here, but gnats swarm around you and go in your nose and everything. Um, and, and this plague, the magicians couldn't manipulate, they couldn't counterfeit, they couldn't duplicate it, and they say that's the finger of God happening there, um, which is an interesting statement. It, it, it's used throughout Scripture, um, mostly talking about, you know, the law of the Lord. But I think, you know, part of me thinks it was a little, it's the finger of God. God said he's going to move with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm. Uh, not. He's on them and they haven't got that yet. Uh, and so that particular thing, remember I said most of these are against Pacific gods, um, was the, there's the, the dust of the ground becoming gnats. Uh, there was a God named Set that was the Egyptian god of the desert. So it's a it's a judgment against him. and And, you know, God can give life to um, out of dust to gnat. I mean, God can do anything. It was a picture of that in, in general. And, and um, this would have been the gnats were, along with the frogs, the, um, the Egyptians, their society at that time was really uh, um, had a lot to do with cleanliness and their 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 religious observances were all about cleanliness. So this would have been a huge problem to all of them because they, they couldn't get clean. They couldn't get away from the gnats. They, and they had Bad frog smell everywhere. This was a pretty big issue going on for them. And, and um, so these are things that are happening, and now bargaining sort of starts to take place. Um, beginning in verse 20, um, um, Pharaoh's going to try and find some bargaining place. But, you know, you, you can't bargain with God anyway. It doesn't work, but he thinks he can. And so uh, so as we as we move into this next sort of phase, now you've got the gnats. And then you got Pharaoh' he's heading over to the Nile um, uh, and to uh, you know get get maybe some relief by getting in the water i don't know, but God says to Moses and Aaron, "Go and meet him over there, and you know there he is trying to catch a break. I'm sure he's not very happy to see Moses and Aaron at this point and, and um and I'm sure he's thinking that Moses and Aaron are the cause of all the problems when in when in fact he is kind of an interesting thought and, and uh so um these guys come again to um, Pharaoh, and they give him another warning about what's going to come um, before seven of the ten plagues. There's a warning that is given to Pharaoh that he he doesn't he doesn't choose to listen to, and, and um, each one of these things happen when they supposed when they say they're going to happen, they're fulfilled the way they're just to in the process. Um, but now with uh, the next um, plague coming. We get to see a, sort of a picture of God's grace for His people because the people of Israel in the land of Goshen are not going to experience um, this, this part of the plague. And, and so um, um, God is able to direct this invasion of mass into one place and to keep them from another place. Pretty significant picture of who God is and His care for the people of Israel and um, sure enough, the next day, we see the judgment happening in verse uh, 24. These these flies come, and um, they invade all of the houses and the palaces of the kings, uh, and, and yet not the land of Goshen. Uh, and no, you know, flies carry germs, and they do all sorts of horrific stuff. Uh, and um, uh, there was another sort of God um, in Egypt... Um, I, I, I can spell it. It's U-A-T-C-H-I-T. And um, flies were a part of his, his whole deal there in the false god. So you see another judgment taking place in that. And then um, Pharaoh comes up with this deal that he wants to make in the process of this one. And there's uh, four times that Pharaoh's going to try and make a compromise. Two of them happen here. One's going to happen in chapter 10 with the locusts. And one's going to happen... Um, at the, during the time of darkness. But you get to see two of them um, here. And what those are is in the first proposal Pharaoh says, why don't you just worship your God here? I'll let you do that. Just You can do it here. Just don't leave the land. And Moses and Aaron say, no we can't do that because our sacrifice would be detestable to the Egyptians and they'd stone us. Uh, and so, um, so that wasn't um, acceptable to them. Um, his second offer was, well, you can leave, but don't go very far away. And, and, uh, and then he says, as he says that, he says, now pray for me, like right now. Because, and so he sort of gives up the idea that all he really cares about, once again, is getting rid of the flies. So he's like, okay, fine, you can go, but you can't go very far. Now pray. Get rid of the flies. And, uh, um, and it, it, maybe it looks like Moses and Aaron are accepting the offer. They're not, but it's time for this, this plague to be over with as well, and so Moses prays for the flies to go, and so they do, um, but more judgments are on the way, and uh, we're going to lead up to that, that last one, which is the, the Passover, which is very significant, and um, there's a lot of, uh, we're going to see a lot uh, in that one of what Christ does for us, so we'll be looking for that, but that covers pretty much most of that chapter, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching, we appreciate you doing that, and um, when you can, come and join us, but that would be great.